evening all. This is a Northeast Sitting Forecast. My name is Miles and I am back again with my good friend Rob. Hello, Rob. Hello. Also with us is Dr. Hop himself, Chris. Hello, I'm Chris. I'm Miles, And also Ross joins us again. So we have a full compliment. Hello, Ross. Hello. We have a, a few beers to get through tonight, starting off with um, a local beer we have from Colour Codes Brewery. This is their barley wine, uh, which is Royal Sovereign. This is coming in at 11%, and this was brewed in February 2015. So this has been aged for a couple of years now, nearly, nearly coming on for three years. Um, so we'll see how it's uh, it's developing in time. Has anyone had this beer before? I don't uh, think so, no. What do we know about this beer? This is a beer it is initially fermented with their own yeast and then followed up by some champagne yeast to uh, get it up to that 11%. Barley wines, these are, they're not wines, they are just strong beers. Is the parameter for, for barley wine, what, what what would you say the lowest ABV you would expect a barley wine to be? At least I've, double figures, surely. I've had a barley wine at 8.2% before from, right. uh, from Aaron, but it, it wasn't really what I would class as a barley wine. Yeah. It was more like a like a, I don't know, like a strong ESP or something like that. So, and a barley wine's brewed with it's like an imperial stout just with paler malts. Is that a fair? I would say it's more like a double IPA in terms of a malt bill, but right. once the hops have faded on it, yeah, it's, it's like a non-hop. It's not a heavily hop. It's like a triple IPA. It's, yeah, 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 the, yeah. The hops on the aim, and it's yeah, yeah, real. yeah. So if you had some. One human cannonball, and you left it for three years. You might have, yeah, yeah. I think that would be a yeah. fair way to think yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. you might mm-hmm. have Rich Burhouse bringing your door down to see if he's So, what do we think? It's incredibly dark, really dark, really low carb. Always syrupy. Yeah, very syrupy. So, should I expect this to be really malty, not very hoppy? Then is that the? Uh, I don't know whether. It's it's not going to be a, your citrus hops. Mm. It's going to be more a fruity, fruity malt beer. It is, yeah. it is, one, but not. It's definitely a barley wine. It, it is very it's much like a barley. I can't think of the best way to describe what we are, but yeah, it's it, you do the same thing you do for any sort of heavily sort of malt build type beer, but without the dark black brown chocolate. Those kind of malts that you put in the stout, they're not going to be there. Um, you're you're going to get the caramel malts in there. So that's what you get in the colour from the caramel crystal, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, hops, you know. And you're not getting any of your late hops, they'll be long gone by now. Colour coats use all British ingredients, so these will be. This is It's Challenger, East Kent Goldens, and Bramble and Cross hops that are in here. Tasting notes talk about rich plum and fruit flavours and a treacly caramel warmth. You're definitely getting that. Mm-hmm. You get that sweet. Fruity warmth. Mm-hmm. So they they still sorry they still put hops in this, but mm-hmm. is that not? Are, are we detecting any of that? Then we are getting some of that well, flavour through. The, the bitterness is from the hops, bit, isn't the it? Very hops, right. right. Yeah. Otherwise, it's really sweet. Well, yeah, but I mean, I three years down the line, this will be tasting. I imagine completely different to when it was. Bottled fresh yeah. three years ago, and you would have got a lot more of the hops. The yeast flavour is going to be taken over more. That secondary ferment on the yeah. champagne yeast is going to change things, and you're going to get more of those kind of 
best, isn't it? It's nice. It's um, it's a bit raisiny. Yeah, very raisiny. Yeah, that's a slow sipper, isn't it? Yeah, it feels like something you'd have after dinner. I dessert like a dessert beer, like port. Yeah, yeah, yeah. rich. Again, it's been sat in nature's fridge outside, so it's quite chilled. I don't know what sort of temperature it is, but um, as it warms, I think warms. I think you get more of those those raisins, those sorts of flavors through. What? What? Sorry, that's something I meant to ask last time when you brought some of your your stouts in, and you mentioned the temperature of them. What sort of temperature should we be drinking that at? What sort of temperature should we be drinking stout at? And also, because I. I mean, I said to you when I first started drinking beer, do you remember I used to put my beers in the freezer? Yeah. Before, because I used to like them dead cold. Yeah. And, then, you know, I, I still do like them cold, but I thought that might... Just put them in the fridge sooner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are the, you know, what, what should you be serving these things? What's cellar in temperatures? 11 degrees? 11 yeah. yeah. Typically. Um, but... It's quite subjective, though, because um, some people like their stouts cold. Uh-huh. I personally don't. I like mine more room temperature. Yeah. Um, and the, the flavours are different. Mm-hmm. Bitterness is more pronounced at low temperatures, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I should probably know why, but <laughs> I caught myself out with my own. Let's try harder. Um, but yeah, bitterness is definitely more pronounced at low temperatures. That's why when you taste beer in the FE, it tastes bloody horrible, doesn't it, sometimes? When yeah. you've just done the crash cool and you taste it, and you're like, oh. But then when you serve it, Properly, yeah. I tried on the other day and I was like, Oh my, whoa, that's just way too sharp and bitter and horrible. We've got to cast up, stuff it on the bar the next day at cellar temperature. We, we do keep slightly lower at our place, it's 11, so we're like right on the, on the bottom end. But that's because I actually would prefer it serve it colder so that if someone wants to warm it up, they can, they yeah, can do that yeah. themselves. Whereas if I give them it at 13 degrees. They can't cool it down yeah, themselves, yeah. so that's up to them. We do get quite a lot of people whinging about that. Your beer's too cold. And I know you can, you can warm that beer up, though. Yeah. Whereas the other way around, yeah, you're yeah. That's that's my that's my, what I like about an impy stout. The impy stout traditionally there's big seven fifty mil bottles. If I have that, I get get it cold, pour it. As I'm drinking through that 750ml bottle, it's warm and warm and warm and warm and warm. And warm and warm. That's, that's what I like. You, you get the, it's got a life to it, hasn't it? You yeah, got the second glass. Exactly. The first one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, a barley wine very much the same. Mm-hmm. Barley wine's always a funny one for me. When I first tried a barley wine, I absolutely hated this beer style. For years, this was my least favourite beer style. And I think it's because I was used to sessiony, hoppy, pale beers, and I just yeah. think as a style, I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand when I would drink it, why I would drink it, or anything like that. I've completely three sixty on this now, and I, I do quite like a barley wine, some barley wines. Yeah. Um, but I could see, I can now see where and when I would enjoy this beer yeah. if that makes sense. But, um, I had you, you talk about on human cannibal. Um, one of the first barley wines I had was Magic Rock Strongman, which they haven't made since, and no matter how much I pestered them. Um, <laughs> but that was from, effectively from the, the same 
the same period of brewing as the Unhuman Cannonball. That was released at the same time. It was just kept longer, and, and it wasn't as, as the same popping ratio and things. But um, that was that was described as an American barley wine. I don't know the, what the differences would be other than the ingredients. Um, but that was that was a really nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. It, someone's put an IPL recently though, haven't they? Which is kind of a bit of a half and half. So they're like, drink it fresh if you want it as an IPA, or age it if you want it as a barley wine. Right. Oh, really? I can't remember off the top yeah. of my head who's done it. It's one of the bigger UK breweries. Yeah, actually. yeah. yeah that's... Really brewed over. Someone like that. But it, it... Which is, is interesting, because they're looking at there what the what those fresh hops, what the beer will be like once those fresh hops die away, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's, that's quite a, a, a clever balancing act to get. Whether you can get them both to be spectacular beers. Well, I think I don't think you'd know when you brewed it. I know um, you say the same about Northern Alchemy's 100-minute metric, mm-hmm. one that they did. That was really hoppy when it was brewed. Mm-hmm. But I know they've still got some bottles of that kicking around in a drink right now, and it drinks more like a barley wine. Yep. So it's like a 10%. Yep. And it was heavily hopped to start with, but those are faded, and you're getting more of that complexity coming through. The metric was brewed along the same lines as the um, Anarchy Warhead yeah. that were yeah. on. So it was a continuously hopped. Yeah. So that sorry, just to go back to that thing. So he's talked about hundred hundred minutes. Every yeah. hundred minutes they're putting in some more hops. Boil. No. And they added minute. On the was minute. it every minute? They it was every minute. Yeah. On the minute. Every minute. From they do five minutes, I think. Northern Alchemy. For for the hundred minutes. Yeah. I think they do oh, five. Yeah. We do for bad medicine. That's a sixty minute IP. Mm-hmm. We do every minute for sixty. Minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it's a pain. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great pain. But it's quite labour intensive. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Right, quick, look, right, <laughs> next, right, okay, where's some more, right, okay, beep, next. Have you done it where you've put in, put them all in at once versus doing that every few minutes? I think if you tasted stag- the two, I is- reckon if you staggered it five or ten minutes, there wouldn't be a massive difference. Right. Yeah. But if you're kind of chucking everything in and then waiting for maybe 20 minutes, I think that, that would be a noticeable yeah. difference. Yeah. There's a graph. It's interesting. You can look at utilisation. <laughs> I can answer this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so utilisation versus time for your hops, um, it's quite easy to look that up. So uh, we did some research at the uni um, where we tried adding hops every 10 minutes of a boil and looking at how it changed the, um, the fitness. Right. And we were just measuring it using uh, pH. So it wasn't the best measurement to, to check the bitterness, but it's like you will get changing yeah. uh, pH. Uh, yeah, but you can look at utilisation. This is why traditionally, when you do your brew lab training course, they'll tell you you add hops at the beginning or you add them at the end. And if you add them in the middle, you're just wasting the utilisation capability. So if you're adding them 30 minutes for bitterness, you could have added less if you added them at the start and got the same effect. Right. And if you add them at the end, for aroma, but if you put them in five minutes before the end, you're going to pick up bitterness that you didn't need. Right? So uh, the, the places to do it is at zero, at the end, at flame out, and then put them in terms of getting the most out of the yield. Yeah. I think sometimes with the continuous hop, maybe it's part of the gimmick. So we'll make you. But Definitely I, but is, I, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think utilization wise, you, you do yourself any favors adding the fifteen minutes. No, you're probably using more hops than you needed to to get the same bit. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. without a doubt, and it's very very labour intensive. 
but it'll make people buy it. Yeah. So we just spoiled that bit. Yeah, you don't buy it. Sold out anyway. Destroyed that, <laughs> destroyed that market. <laughs> I did just find. Uh, my dad was emptying his motorhome and he found about 12 cans of bad medicine. So if you do want to try it now, it's about six months past its... So it's probably 18, 18 months old. Um, and it's really different. Yeah? Yeah, so. like the hops are gone. It's like if we buy an imported American IPA, that's what it now tastes like because the hops are kind of died down, but you're getting all the... Can we do that? Can we, can, yeah, can we do a fresh one versus a one that's yeah, 18 months? I'm just curious about... I'll be, I'll be re it very soon and get some more cans so I will I'll stick a that, couple of the cans aside investment. yeah and then when it's rebrewed in the in the fresh cans I'll I'll bring it side by side and yeah. is it named after the Bon Jovi song of course yes <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I was going to chat about what, I've been really impressed with the way the triannuary campaign has been working this year and Tom's taking it on and Exactly. So social social media saturation points, you know, you can't miss it this year, can you? No. No locally our local volunteers have done a, a grand job as well. But going going back, how significant the fall off was January for you? As as a as a brewery, as a bar, how how much of a, an impact did January have? Like this time last year yeah. in comparison. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's a, it's been a funny one from the brewery side of things um, because normally I would expect to be really quiet in January yeah. um, because as a whole, pubs are more quiet in January, so we sell less beer. Yeah. However, we've just started working with three new distributors this month, right? so I'm actually more busy than I was in December. It normally wouldn't happen at all yeah. this way. It's a complete coincidence yeah. that that has happened. From the bar's perspective, we, we probably, I don't mind saying, we've Probably half were um, yeah. were taken since January than yeah. we than we do through December. But December is a mental. Well, that's, that's going to say that's the point. It, it's it's all then. It's it's yeah. feast, feast then famine. It kind of just it? yeah. It'll just it'll play out over the over the space of the year. What's January like compared to February though? Is that like February's? Um, have to go for last year. Yeah, it, it's a toughie for us because we only opened in December last year. Right. So we were still busy January, February because yeah. people were like, "Oh, we must go and check the new bar out." Um. So this year will be more of a yeah. an honest representation, yeah. I think, going forward of what we're likely to be like. Um. But we've we've well, I've deliberately lined lined events up and stuff at the bar to keep us busy yeah. going through. And we've got we've managed to get some really really cool stuff coming up. So um, we'll have a I imagine we'll have, we'll be pretty busy the rest of this month. Yeah, one, February I've got a couple of things lined up. One thing well worth mentioning is that you've got North Bar, North Bruin, sorry, absolutely the Bruin arm of North Bar mm-hmm. um, coming up this Thursday. Yes, indeed. Um, you released a, a, a lineup of the, the beers you've got coming on. That's incredible oh, yes. beers. Transmission. Yes. Is that yeah. a keg of transmission? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, we've got one cask going on, which is their pale, um, which is apparently really good, but I've not had this. They kind of change the hops up on yeah. the pale. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one I'm pretty excited for. And then we've got, uh, I think, six kegs or seven kegs. We already had one. Um, but one of them is the Demolin collaboration Imperial Stout. It's like 10, 10 points in the stomach. Is that it? It's hazelnut and cocoa or something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, hazelnut and cocoa and Imperial Stout. I cannot wait 
Yeah. <laughs> I drink as much sounds, as I possibly Sounds can. good to me. It's only a 20 <laughs> litre keg as well, so I was like, right. Can we get that one? The hell well, back specific. He has four litres gone already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've got some good stuff. They're, they're a great bunch of guys. Um, met them out in China. Well, I met them at Craft Beer Corner and then we met them out there. Uh, I met John, uh, who's one of the owners. He came out of Shanghai with us. So uh, he's coming back up. We love it. They're just, they're a proper laugh. Yeah. And, and they're great. I mean, how long have they had North Bar now has been Years or oh, it was it, it was one of the original craft beer balls, wasn't yeah. it? Really? Yeah. And so I, I still maintain the best cannonball outside the brewery. Yeah. In Northbourne, yeah, yeah. They have that on permanent. Pretty much. Yeah. It was it was a permanent line. I'm not sure whether it still is, but yeah. uh, it, it's you'd be very unlikely to go in there and not find it. Basically. Yeah. Cracking <laughs> yeah. Yeah. bar, though, like. One of my favourite in the UK, yeah. always has been, and, and they've supported us as a brewery from day one. They were the first bar outside of Newcastle that I sold to, right? Um, which was a massive deal for us because I used to love that bar anyway. Yeah. So now to kind of to to get them up and return the favour as as it was, uh, mm. even though the, I've already rubbed them and taken us back down the leads anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that should be good. So yeah, so obviously we we deli- we knew those guys were great, and they had a. a fairly open calendar in January and so that just kind of that works both ways there they're kind of doing a big event and, and getting in front of more people in Newcastle and at the same time we're getting people into our bar to meet them and try the beer so it's, uh, yeah it's yeah everyone wins man mm-hmm. so it should be mm-hmm. yeah I know there's there's other events going on I know it's uh, the Tyne and Weir Day is Friday the 19th of January where there's mm-hmm. going, I think uh, there's a, a tap takeover or with Flash House Brewery at Coppers um, as the main event on that on that day. But uh, get yourselves along, support. It'll be a really good night. What we're thinking of this beer as it's developing? Is anyone's warming up? Yeah, mine seems to be. It's <laughs> it's cold, freezing cold, isn't it? Cold, yeah. isn't it? Uh, mine's. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Oh. It's evaporated uh, somewhere. That have you enjoyed that? I was that enjoying one? it. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a style that I think when you when you first first try it, you're not used to it, and it, you does take you back yeah. but mm. once you get going with it it's quite enjoyable I like it I can't imagine buying it um, just yet I don't I don't think mm. I'm there but um, but I, I like it as a you know a thing to try just right. like I like port as you say you know it's yeah. like that it's like yeah. yeah quite like it the sweetness is perhaps a bit much for me just mm. as a style um, but maybe that would change I think I'm, I'm with you. I think um, if I was going to choose something to pair with like a cheese ball or something Mm-hmm. I'll probably go to port first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I was going to get a beer to go with something like that, then this is from that'd be my place. For it. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. blue cheese and that would work. Would work super well. Yeah. Sorry, lads, I've let you down. I'm not in the There's no crackers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you can't have everything every time, can you? you know? So, though, I mean, you you'll have tried loads of these, though. What what's the what's the standard you, like? Is it a good... you, you say that, but actually, um, I, I was looking round in sort of in advance of tonight. Um, I was looking at sort of high profile barley wines, and there really aren't that many. Uh, um, there's 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 no. The, a lot of styles. The, there's one particular beer which sets the sets the landscape for that style of beer. But the barley wine for me, 
I was struggling. Um, Sierra Nevada is probably the the most right. common one that I, I, I was aware of. Um, but beyond that, yeah, it's a tough sell from a brewery's perspective. Mm-hmm. If you're a new brewery, it's a kind of a risky beer style. I would say for me to put out a barley wine, I'd be thinking Manus is going to buy yeah. all of this lucky percent. Yeah, well, you, you can't put it on cask because no one on the white man's going to buy it unless you said cask. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Uh, if you put it on keg and you put it in a 30 litre keg, no one's going to touch a 30 litre keg of nah. the barley wine because they've been off for two months. Yeah. They're not going to shift it. So, like, this yeah. is the this is the thing. Bottle that is the perfect struggle. way to yeah, deliver it. It, it is definitely. Yeah. Is it an expensive beer to make? Obviously, duty wise, Tony. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Uh, and if I was going to pay the duty, I'd probably pay the extra and put the hops in and make it double yeah. or triple. Right. Because yeah. that'll sell a lot easier. Yeah. And you can put that out on keg and cask and whatever. Yeah. Snap it. Yeah. yeah. It's more interesting. We we have done one and it um it did go into bottle. Uh, but we never released it. Uh, I, I put it on <laughs> uh, actually, we put it on keg in the student union and we lapped it up because it was like nine percent and it was like, oh we're nine percent beer, but um yeah. I like it as a style, as a place and I don't think the place is in a bar, it's at home with it. Cheap yeah. This well, this, yeah. It's not... this this beer was first brewed as a home brew before Colour Codes started production, and obviously once he, he got up and run, he brewed it again at, at uh, the brewery. But uh, I think it's it's a decent beer. The brewery, um, I, I've seen quite a few of their beers in the village I live in. Actually, um, I think they're quite they're about quite in quite a lot of places, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, They've been gone for a few years, yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Now maybe. Yeah, and as got... you alluded to, they have their own yeast yes. grain, don't they? Yes. They're one of the only ones up here who do that. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Beers, Sugar Boat, Blondes, they have Polly Duncan, which is their port. Is it a porter or a stout? Porter, isn't it? I think so. Beyond, beyond that, I'm not too sure of that. They've got quite a few. I had one of their stouts the other day, then you didn't recognise the name. But, yeah. as, a, as a brewery, they're obviously very with, based down in Whitney Bay, colour coats. And they um, support the RNLI. There's a, there's a proportion yeah. of their beer sales. The money goes to the it's RNLI. Good, it's quite so. a bit as well. Yeah. Like three pence a pint. Jack the Devil. Jack the Devil, Jack that's the other one. That's that's a bit there. But Shuggy Boat Blonde, occasionally they have that on at the pub after a good football yeah. on a Tuesday night. And it's like three point yeah. eight, three yeah, point yeah, nine. It's like the that. perfect, yeah, just like, yeah. like down the hatch, the great, yeah. uh, like first quenching blonde. It? But it's... It, Bitter as hell. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. good. It's still got a little something about well, it. Like, the other thing they do, and I, I was hoping to try and get these on this, but they do uh, some shipping forecast beers. I don't think. But they're, and I think they're all with different experimental hops, and they they're named after um, shipping forecast areas. Um, they're working around their way around the UK, but they don't follow them. So. <laughs> I thought he was going to hint for a, a one named after him. Yeah. <coughs> Bill, Bill, if you're listening, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of time for that. Plenty of time for that. But, uh, so, yes, so that was Colour Court's Royal Sovereign. Cheers. Cheers. Next up, we have our supermarket sup. And this is from Tesco's. And it is Adnam's Ghost Ship. 
a ghostly pale ale from Southwold. Now that's not a beer style I've heard of before. A ghostly pale ale. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, this came from way back when they produced a really strong beer. I think it was something like 9%. And it was described as a deadly pale ale, which ne- never actually made it into production. They made one batch of it, I believe. But there were a few bottles sneaked out into the uh, the local area, one of which is in one of the, the local bars, still behind the bar. But when their now head brewer, Fergus, took over, um, they developed different beers, and there was a, a point at which they became more and more aware of the American hops. Um, so this was one of their the first beers to have citra hops in. Um, but also it has Columbus and Chinook hops in there as well. So um, it is coming in at 4.5%, classic pale ale, and I think that looks a lovely beer. Mm-hmm. Clear as a bell, isn't it? Yeah. Nice white head, tight bubbles, all the, the grassy notes on the on the nose there. So cheers. It's almost cheers. like a copper red, isn't it? Or is that just your... It is darker table? than I remember. I don't remember that being that colour. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but last time I had this was on cask, so I don't know whether... Everyone's holding their glasses up to the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not making any difference. But yeah, um. I do feel like that's slightly darker than uh, than the cask mm-hmm. version. I don't know whether that's just a is that a time thing. I don't know. No, it's had to be years since I've had it. Like, but um, I don't know. It's just with the description of a ghostly pale ale. We're not going to be those people. Well, it was better before they changed the recipe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this is a a, a very easy drinking classic gulpable beer, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's one of those that. If I see it on the bar to this day on cask, I would buy a pint of it. Delicious cask, yeah. And actually, I, I don't think the bottle does it as much justice as, as the cask can. Um, I was saying earlier that certain beers fall into a, a, there's a... There's a category of cask where if you see them, you get them. Jaipur's one, as we went through last time. Um, Finale's Yarl, another one. You know, just beers that were... Brilliantly on cask. Magic Rock Highwire, delicious on cask. Um, and it's in and around this level where oh, the 4.5% 4. is getting towards the higher end of, of those sorts of beers. Mm-hmm. Or, I know Jaguar is a high rear But, um, you know, nice, tasty backbone and Lovely. delicious hops. It's a first for me because I've not had it before, so... See an, I've see heard a, a lot about it. And it see it an, awful, to an awful lot more down south, obviously. We used to get a fair bit of piano, didn't we? Yeah, but when was the last time you saw a cask? The last time I had cask was actually in York. Right. It wasn't up here, so oh. honestly, no idea. You see the broadside every now and again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which again is a decent find yeah. if, you, if you like a cask. And that's the other thing with these beers, the, the age of them. I mean, this was first produced in... 2009, 2010, um, which was oh, yeah. when Citra first landed in, the, in this country, you know. The smell, when you um, first open it, it, it's kind of like um, really different. And then as soon as you drink it, I can't smell it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't it's even... like, ah, I want to smell that again. 
I it's actually gone. get a little bit of sulfur on there. Yeah. Anyone else getting that? Kind of traditionally yeasty, sulfury nose. Not a lot, just being. See, I wasn't, I wasn't getting the citra on the nose that you were saying. Mm. Yeah, I, get the I mean, it's, and then it's, it's not particularly powerful, and it, it, as a beer, it's not designed to be powerful in any particular area. This is the problem, isn't it? Like, we've getting so many beers now where it, it is designed to burst out of the glass. Yeah. When you get one that doesn't, like, just smell that. But actually, but actually, they're the ones that work best on cask. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's quite good in the brewery. I've got, I've got Roger there. Who's, uh, who's our new assistant brewer? He's um, he's not massively into like hoppy hoppy beers and hoppy exactly. beer styles, and so every time I'm like, "Oh, Roger, can you go and just just taste the IPA in, in FV3 or whatever?" And he's like, "Just tastes like a hot pellet." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, All right, and he's like, "Well, I just oh, it's just loads of hops in there, isn't it?" <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm brutally honest with him. He's like. Just tastes like a hot pellet to me. <laughs> She's quite good. Like, it's quite good to have that though. They tell oh, the contrast in definitely because I, mean, I don't know if there's enough hops in there. And then he's like, Bleh. <laughs> Bleh. 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 I would have stopped hops. five minutes ago. <laughs> 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 it's quite funny, but um, yeah, it's good having that. But this again, I was going back to like um, going back to if I was playing, playing football or something like that, mm-hmm. and I got into the pub after and just choking for a pint. This would be another one where I, that would just that would just go down too easy. I kind of have a a little little core range when I when I kind of go to cask beers that we might not see so much in the city centre anymore because we're we in all honesty we've moved on a little bit yeah um and so we don't we don't see as much of the classics anymore but you every now and again you'll stumble into like a or I would stumble into it <laughs> um like a, a pub outside of the city centre. And just you might just go, what? Hang on, what's that over there? And so it happened to me. Y'all, I last got in Twin Farms, which isn't too far yeah, from where yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, what is that? Y'all on cask? Excellent. That, you know, I only went for a half. I stood for about four times. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, yeah, the likes of this. Uh, my local actually uh, in Chapel Park is uh, has Hobgoblin Gold on permanent. Oh, does it? Which I think is a a really great cask ale. Um, I don't really like the bottle yeah. uh, or the can, but on cask, it's still banging. It's got Nelson in it. Yeah, That's why I can't get any. But yeah, there's like these little kind of beers that you just might every now and again. I, I didn't drink in that pub for years. I just moved out not long ago. Uh-huh. I'm going to nip in there and have a pint too. It's like, do you always have this on? Yeah, yeah. I'm in there every week. Oh, just because I'm like, I get a solid pint. Pop Goblin goes about three quid a pint. Yeah. I, I spent years whinging about the beers in there. Yeah. And it's it's a while since we've been, so maybe I should get back there. Yeah, it's not bad. So, well, you know. A really interesting point you make, though, about um, the different pubs, what they serve in different places. So if, if I want to have a, a, a what I would consider to be a top beer, I'd have to go into town, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I can't have it yeah. where I am. And there are four or five pubs around me, and it's like, Everywhere, you know, the best I can hope for is something along these lines. Or, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. the um, colour coats, the 3.8%. Yeah, the sugar board, yeah. And it's nice, and I would yeah. take that in, the, you know, but that's what I'm dealing with there, and that's, yeah. that's fine, yeah, you yeah. know. But yeah. if I want a really hoppy beer, I know I've got to go into town. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of them locked in in yeah. terms of what yeah. they can buy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they'll be locked into yeah, it. Uh, like, I can't 
they'll have like we can't spend over X pound of cat. Mm. Yeah. As a buying price. Or they've got to go through SEMA or something. Yeah, they have to buy some some kind of program where they've got to. So the the this is why I like the places where it's a proper free house. They can they can get in whatever they want to get in, and they don't have to worry Mm -hmm. about how much it costs to get in. Do you you also think there's a thing with cask whereby these are the beers which work really well on cask? Um, There isn't really a headline cask beer released every month. You know. Cask beer doesn't get the hype that it, you know, a hyped beer gets released. Generally, it's down the keg line. Yeah, because it can can make it travel. Well, exactly. Like, you can't make cask travel. You've got to go and pick them back up. (laughs) (laughs) We don't all have distribution networks and stuff. You know, so, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to send your cask far and wide. Just stick it in a key keg or whatever and send it wherever the hell you want. So I, yeah. there, that, there is that side to it. There's also that ridiculous thing that people won't pay more than X for a cask because they can get cask for fifty quid a cask. Yeah. Because people do knock them out. Yeah, this is. Price. I got and offered it, casks last week for forty-five quid a cask, and I said no because I didn't want that beer. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. like, no, I don't care what price it is. I just buy, I just buy beer that I want. Mm-hmm. But like, some people do that. that. They will yeah. buy. Price based, but this which is this, frustrating when you're trying but, to start off there, and you haven't got the, new, the ability to knock stuff out for anywhere near that price. People aiming at that, it, are they are they selling at a loss to create market space, or are they is the beer just not up to standard? So that I they wouldn't can, like they to comment have, on that because it could be a, it could be a number of factors. It right. could be economies of scale. Yeah, it could be uh, it could be a number of factors. Right. I wouldn't like to speculate why some people can sell at that price. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think this. This was a whole sale. Mathematically, like this we could a, do that. I, well, there's no way I could like, do that. I'd be definitely losing money on that. Uh, yeah. at that price. That's ridiculous. But I think as well, though, if you if you get yourself into a position where you do, you don't need to be reducing the prices of your beer, it it implies that what you're producing is deemed to be value for money. Yeah. Um, now, that value, that perception of value, value for money, has to has to be increased in the customer's mind for bars to start increasing what their perception of what a cask's worth mm-hmm. to then increase the price to the brewer. The and reality is that that doesn't happen, though. Because, um, if duty went up tomorrow, mm-hmm. we'd soak it up, and they'd still have that fixed price that they're <laughs> well, exactly. in their mind that they yes. don't buy it for anymore. Yeah. So I'm losing more because mm-hmm. I can't put mine up because no one will pay me more than this Figure that they've got in head of what it's worth. Yeah, but is is that... I put the same beer in a keg, and I could charge it twice the price for it, mm-hmm. and there's little difference really mm-hmm. in terms of the product. Well, yeah, yeah. But it's and, just and, that and, keg and, is perceived to be something that you can sell for more. You've got to think as well because a lot of the, unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of the people who are drinking cask versus the people who are drinking keg, we. We understand that you have to pay a certain price for a certain product. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people that are drinking cask might have been doing so since, you know, 70s, 60s, yeah. 70s, whenever. Um, and are kind of still, well, um, like, oh, yeah, I want that beer, but I want it at cask price. And uh, mm-hmm. if, if you if you don't give us it at that price, I'm going to say it's a rip-off and I'm going to yeah. tell all my mates and we're not coming back. How could it be that much? It's only 4%. Well, yeah. Because the ABV is not what dictates how much that beer cost me to yeah, make. Yeah, yeah. But that's still what a lot of people are, would 
price it up. Yeah, and I'm not going to mention any. <laughs> <laughs> no, you no. You see what I'm getting at. That, that's, that's, that's exactly. And, and actually, if you didn't have that history mm-hmm. and you just landed someone in a bar tomorrow and they saw the different prices of keg and cask, I think, hang on, why? Yeah. It, it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. You know, but because of that history, because of that that, mm-hmm. that reputation that's been built up over the years, is where we've got to deal with it with, with the pricing structure. Cask has to has, has to the, the perception of cask will increase prices. It will. It just yeah. it'll take time. But yeah, you get minute, more at the minute for us as a brewery, cask isn't really a sustainable future in our brewery yeah. at all. If we don't seriously start looking at, at keg and package more. When we got our cab tank, um, yeah, so yeah. we like that's why we're we're going into uh, kegging in a big way this year, um, and going back to cans again. Um, it's just simply because if we don't, we're going to be knackered. Yeah. We're, we're not making enough money on on cask to yeah. employ three people. Yeah, four people. The other downside is what Ross talked about is how to and yeah. shelf life. Yeah, once it's open, mm-hmm. you've got to have a bar that can turn it around quick enough. What's what the three days? Is that the Three, three, three. If you're lucky, yeah. With breathers, five to seven, widges are a little better. So you can understand a bar not necessarily a bar seeing a keg or a cask, thinking actually the keg's a better investment because I don't know whether I'll sell it in that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they're confident they'll sell in that time, they may well go for that. When when Stuart started doing its pop ups around campus, mm-hmm. we were using casks. Yeah. I don't ship the whole cat, and you'd want to put three casks on so you give people a choice. Yeah. But I that's, don't but that's, shift three casks that's the, that's <laughs> in, the, in one afternoon's pop-up. Yeah. And that's, that's the clock ticking, isn't yeah. it? As soon as it... And we weren't doing a pop-up the next day. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so it was like, we have to come up with a better way to do this. We can't do pop-ups with casks. Mm-hmm. So, what, what, what happens? Does the flavour just go no. to crap? No, 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 no. no, no. What, what happens after day three? Well, what happens with a cask is you're pulling in air yeah. Yeah. in as you pump the beer out. So the beer oxidizes. Whereas with keg, you're pushing it out with CO2, so it never gets touched by oxygen. Ah, okay. So stays pressure. Well, it, 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 it's quite, it's, well, it's a bit yeah. more than that. Actually, it actually goes off. Ah, okay. Not, I, it doesn't taste nice after, because it's oxidized. Right. You'd notice it, have you ever had like a, a vinegary pint yeah. in a bar? That, that beer's knackered. Yeah. It's been on too long. Yeah. And the, the worst thing is these days is that a lot of bar staff or even managers will be getting pressure from from the powers that be that say sell that cask, sell that cask. People will just drink it, just keep serving it, keep serving it. The amount of times I've gone, oh, your, your beer's off, and they don't take that beer off. Mm-hmm. Like, try it for yourselves. Mm-hmm. Try it, man. That beer's off, definitely off, and they won't. And uh, actually, a couple of years back, um, Paul rang his three hundred pound cycle, Paul, and he went. Uh, Hey, just a heads up, I'm drinking your uh, your brown ale in, uh, I'm not naming the pub, but uh, just to let you know, it, it's it's off, it's turned, you know, yeah. it's been on too long. So I was like, oh, cheers for the heads up, mate. And he's like, no, the only reason I'm giving you a heads up is because uh, they refuse to take it off, and I'm telling them the beer's off. Yeah. So I had to ring them up and say, hey, I've got a guy, uh, he's a friend of mine, he's drinking in the bar, um, he says the beer's off, mm. can you take it off? And they were like, well, someone else is drinking it. And I'm like... Well, they shouldn't be. Like, I trust this guy. Yeah. yeah. The beer's off. Can you take it off for us, please? Ooh, well, uh, I don't know about that. How much is left? Half a cask. So I'll refund you the half a cask. Just take it off. Yeah. I had to give them the money back. And 
not my fault that they haven't turned the beer around quick enough, but they haven't been busy. Well, what happens with that then, right? Because it's, it's a funny thing because your your brand's exposed. There, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what? so this is what I'm saying. Like people that do tend to do just keg or bottle of yeah. can tend to have much higher ratings on them yeah. because then that guy, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't know Paul at the time, he could have just he could have just slated me on them tap. Yeah. Well, the beer was off. But my fault. <laughs> There's not many industries where someone's work is delivered by someone outside their business. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that's ultimately that's the, the the customer experience is driven by that final person, which is outside the control of the brewery, isn't it? So do you, do you have to be selective as to who's buying your beer, basically? Yeah, to uh, an extent. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you never really know. To start with, we did have a a, a bar. Um, again, I'm not mentioning where it is, but we had a bar who wanted to put our beer on cask, but all of the cellar cooling was broken. So I was like, "All right, so when's that getting fixed?" Ah, oh, it's not. Gaffers won't give us any money to fix the cellar cooling. And I was like, "So what? Are you going to serve warm warm cask?" Yeah, and I was like, "Not mine, you're not." Sorry, <laughs> I'll have them back. Yeah. <laughs> I took my beer out of there yeah. and, and never got any in the end. No, no. But at the same time, though, you know, you're all small businesses. You've got to make sales. You can't. You can't be too choosy. Oh. So it's it's a very yeah. fine line. Balance it is, and yeah, definitely a nightmare. Yeah, and there's not many people actually that are that are properly selling trained anymore. Yeah. I was just having this conversation. I uh, dropped a beer down Crown Posada the other day. I said to Andy, that, oh, you know, because he's still got like the old the old gantries, you know, the old. Yeah proper old way of, uh, of like racking casks and so I chucked I it straight on for him he's like oh, this is like this is old school you don't see many of this these days do you like, no. you don't see anyone that seller trained like these days if, yeah. I, if I hired someone and put them in and said hey rack that cask for us they'd probably look at that and go what's that <laughs> you know it's like two blocks of wood basically mm-hmm. and you sit the cask on there and mm-hmm. hammer away and you know that's it but like he was, yeah, yeah. The, the thing is, there's just there's no funding for cellar training anymore. It's not really part of a lot of a lot of bars. Um, kind of sacked it off in the in the eighties, nineties, and now they're just coming back round. But they don't want to. They don't want to pay to train their staff to be able to yeah. to do cask beer. They're just expected to do it. Otherwise, you don't get the job as the so, barman. So most people will just kind of just kind of lie the way through an interview. So what and do they do? What do they do when they? You know, if they get a cask and they've got to get that ready, then what? So it was YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> saying that from experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I mean, there's, there's, more than, there's more than one way to defend casks. This yeah. is what Ross was talking about. Yeah. It's the gantry method. It's like the cask will be on its side, right? And it's on what they call an auto thing. So as you take liquid out, there's like a big spring, and the spring counterbalances the weight of the cask. So as the Liquid comes out of the cask, the spring lifts Level, up and yeah, it tilts, yeah. so it keeps yeah. the yeast. Because you're serving out the same end as where the yeast's going to be. Yeah. Right? That's um, a more modern one. Grand Basada literally is two blocks of wood. There's no spring. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> like that's that's just sitting it on one and yeah. just yeah. Like chopped up. Chopped up. Uh, and then obviously the more modern way is what most people are using now is a vertical extraction. And there's two different ways of doing that as well. There's the square yeah. ones and then there's the float method ones. So some of them, you go in... You, you stand the cask on its normal way up rather than on its side and you serve it out through the top um, with a floating widget that you just throw down as the beer goes down. So that's 
good for yeah. a few different reasons. I mean, it helps with ease. Well, just all your sediment again, like yeah. same same as having it on a on a tilt and still so, yeah. your yeast. So does that effectively sediment. draw from the top? It does. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, 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 the device right, floats right, in the yeah. top. So as the uh-huh. beer comes down, the float drops down with yeah. the beer. So it you get a better yield off it in terms of mm-hmm. getting. One of the clubs I was talking to get they get a pint and a half extra per cask. Right. Um, uh, obviously, you can put stuff on a little bit quicker as well because it clears from the top down as things settle, and you serve it from the top, so you can actually get it on yeah. a bit quicker. And if, it's you're, a, if you're in a it's rush, it's a huge space saver. So the main reason we use them is yeah. we can stack yeah. them on, on yeah. stack casks on top yeah. of each other, and we can yeah. still get in to tap them all and still drop these floats in and, and everything. Good to go. Whereas, well, simply if if, they were, if those hadn't been invented, we wouldn't have any cask beer on at our place because it's just too small. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the reason why, why we would use these uh, witches. Cask witches. You can also go in through the top with like a spear. Now I've never used one of those, but there is the spear. Yeah. That, so that'll still serve from the bottom. It does, but you have you, so you drop it right in and then you pull it up a little bit, so it draws from just, just above. They're, they're not as good as. Yeah, the float makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, the float's good as well. It's got a little um, hop uh, filter in there as well. So yep. you don't pull any so you can, matter through. You can serve like hopped in cask beers. You have to buy a different length hose for the bigger casks, right. the smaller casks, and whatever. So is it, you said that some people can get, you know, if you do it in a particular way, you can get an extra pint and a half some, you know, out of a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a barrel. Um, so what is it typical that people have f- think they've finished the barrel but it's like oh it's that bit in the oh, the, lot, the last like, bit you can have all the yeast and all yeah. the crap yeah. if you're serving it on its side so they're, so so they're not serving that then when they're serving no, no. the extra pint and they're not having so, an extra they're, pint of they're the, they're the pints that people always argue, or complain about if you were to serve yeah. it with any of that in yeah, you'd like, yeah. send that back <laughs> you know. that's right great we're, we're probably getting Thanks right to the end of our nice New England pale ale. So, <laughs> super hazy. And, yeah. is, it, is the yeast meant to be in? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. That's a good bit. You got the last pint. Oh, how lucky are you? <laughs> I can put a spin on anything. Yeah. <laughs> but no, they're, they're a great invention. And, uh, de- and a lot of pubs, because you're getting that extra little bit out of each cask, a lot of uh, kind of bigger chains and moving across to yeah. the cask. Yeah, because they make the money back. Because like, they're not cheap to buy, to set up. So to change mm-hmm. everything over from uh, rack and pinion or whatever and like yeah, the old yeah. ways of doing it. Um, or to cask which it's going to cost... 50, 60 for the pop. 50, 60 for the pop, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but if you can make back that's it, if it, per month that, if you're a big bar that's turning over yeah. 40 casks on a single line in a month, yeah, and you're going to get an extra Paint out of each one. It's paper itself in one month. Yeah, easy. And if that cast just happens to be Adam's ghost ship, yeah, I'm uh, I'm more than happy with that. Did you yeah. see that? Where Stephen is like bringing it back. Oh, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's done this before. Mod- <laughs> model professional. So Adam's ghost ship. Final thoughts. Cracking beer in my yeah. eyes. Mm-hmm. Still yeah, I still like it. You say it's one of those classics that just yeah. I'm going to seek it out. Get to, yeah, you you know what you're getting, you know, you know, you know it's a, an enjoyable beer. So cheers.
Right. This is a wild card beer. This is my choice. And this is Wild Beer Modus Operandi. This is Wild Beer's first beer. This is the first beer they ever brewed. And Wild Beer set out. They wanted to use wild yeast um, to ferment the beers, but they also wanted to barrel age things. So this is a beer that was brewed and then barrel aged. They barrel aged some in red wine uh, barrels, some in bourbon barrels, and then blended the two beers together to create mm-hmm. what we've got today. So let's crack a soda. When you say wild yeast, what's the difference between that and one of the Wilco's packets I got the other day? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff that the Belgians do, for example. It relies upon the the yeast that's in the environment of the brewery, the wild mm. flora and fauna in the area surrounding, you know, things like apples, for example. There's yeast on the skin. Yeah. So when you buy a cider, like even like a normal scrumpy, a lot of them they don't add yeast. Yeah. It's just the the yeast that's naturally on the skin of the apple, which will drink yeah. it out. I will, I will say I have tried to brew my own cider using the natural yeast in, a, in an apple and uh, didn't work. <laughs> Roger keeps telling me about some really, really good spontaneously fermented ciders that are available. At the moment. I think Champion's got, got a few in. Right. Um, and he keeps banging on about them. Like, saying some of them are, just, are unreal. Like, some of them are really good. Cider's not particularly my thing. No. Um, but then he it's got all this Britannomyces in and this. Exactly. And this and this. It's, it's like, not a million miles from the stuff that we were all drinking the other night. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the guys is all sort of spontaneously fermented. But rather than using apple juice to ferment that, you're working from a, a malt base. Mm-hmm. But, but you get that same dry it, finish in that. Is it is it the wild yeast? Because I find wild beer in particular, the beers are very smooth. You know, that they're... they're they're very much. Uh, I don't know whether it's because of the the age of the beers or do, does wild yeast ferment a bit slower? Or I don't, I don't know what it is. But you can't really classify it because it's wild. I mean, you're going to get some that go like the clappers, yeah. and you're going to get some that are really slow. Exactly. Um, it's such a funny one. You could you could capture some wild yeast, but then actually in that you could then take a look under a microscope, and you could have thirteen different strains and, and you probably wouldn't want all of those yeah. Yeah. yeast or bacteria in, in your beer nope. and so you, you can you can isolate them off and then culture separate yeast strains up I mean there's there's thousands and thousands and thousands it's mad um, who's doing this who's jo- <laughs> whose job is it to do that sort of stuff That's um, can, you can pay to get it done yeah you can do it yourself Brew Lab will do it. Brew Lab will do it. Yeah. You can, you can take them the thing and say, I want this yeast strain. I, I mean, I emailed them a while back and said, I want some Britannomyces, mm-hmm. which is a kind of wild yeast. Yeah. And uh, they went, yeah, cool. Uh, we've got like five strains to choose from. <laughs> and they've all got these <laughs> mad scientific names. And I'm going, which one tastes like Orval? <laughs> that one. That's the one I want. <laughs> they were like, right, great, that one. So, but as a, as a beer... Mm-hmm. This is incredibly smooth, you know. It's seven percent. Really funky on the nose, isn't it? It's like, imagine starting out a brewery with that beer as you go. 
that this this is the first beer they produced. Talks. That's incredible. We talked a lot about Wild in the last podcast. Well, uh, yes, we were talking about Cruz of Cucumber. We tried the Jambo. Yeah, I love their beers. I love most of the beers that I've had from them. I've just you know, there's the Millionaire and all like and so many great beers. And how old do you think they are as a brewery? Do you know this? I don't. I would hazard a guess at five years. Five years. It is five years. Yeah. I'll okay. tell you why. Well done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good work. I have one times bottle. Oh. Do you know what this oh. is? One times bottle of iced moles. It's nearly as good as Jürgen Meister. <laughs> <laughs> this is to celebrate their fifth birthday. Wow. They've gone back and we were talking last time about the um, beast fermentation. I don't know. Yes. Did you... uh, Shall I put me Dr. Hop hat? Yes. Um, well, this is what they describe as a as having gone through the icebox process. So this is an ultra version of that. Mm. 200 mils, very expensive beer. Mm. I think we should try it. So I feel, what, I feel um, bad drinking all your good yeah, beers. No. Racked it up our So what, um, what ABV is that? This is 13%. Right. As opposed to that one, original one, which is 7%. Seven. Seven. Yeah. Yes. So it's... 50% of the water has been taken in. So we did that process that we talked about. Yeah, so if you boil it, the ethanol would come off first. That's distillation, that's how you make whiskey. Whereas what you want is the flavours from the beer, but the higher concentration. So Thank you. Thanks, Miles. The, the only other way to do that separation is to freeze the water out. When I, when I heard about this beer, this beer was released after we've we recorded that. And I was like, I really want to try that, having had that conversation with you. Um, and I had to have it alongside the, the original beer to start with. So this has been aged aged again once it was reduced down in Pedro Jimenez barrels as well. So I would expect it. Tons of vanilla. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Loads of it. It's barrel-centric, isn't it? Oh, it's very different, doesn't it, to the... Uh... Really different. Yeah. That I get. I get loads of bourbon in the normal uh, yeah. modus, but then that that the ice modus is way more vanilla. I know that's kind of like this similar mm-hmm. similar smell, but the difference is it like, smells smoother. That one's got a much sharp. The um, the original has got a much sharper smell, hasn't it? Yeah. That one's just got like, like a syrup. In yeah, it. I'm really keen to try that. <laughs> Well, cheers, lads. Cheers. Cheers, thank you. Cheers, Miles, thank you. Naturally, it's a lot thicker. Mm-hmm. It coats your mouth a lot more. Um, lingers a lot more. Yeah, and it's like a... What word am I looking for? It's like a bitter... Like, cherry kind of... Is, is it a, like che- a dark cherry kind uh-huh. of like... Yeah. Cherry chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a bitterness to it, isn't it? Which I didn't get from the, the normal. Well, I find with the normal, it's sort of there's something, I don't know what it is, whether it's the style. Maybe it's because it says it's sour on there, doesn't it? Sour, sour red, is what it says. Um, 
something that's catching on the back of my throat a little yeah. bit that I don't know what it is. Um, mm. Maybe it's the sourness that I get here that I don't get with that at all. That tastes a lot smoother to me. This, this is quite sharp. I mean, the ice mode is, is an utterly, it's a pointless beer. It's not something you're going to make in big batches and sell a lot of, but as a one-off for a, a celebration of the mm. five-year anniversary. It's lovely. I mean, it's really nice. It's a labour of love. Really is. That's what it is. And it looks great. I was going to say, I, I, I'm <laughs> going to keep that, that bottle. bottle. Yeah. Definitely keeping yeah. that bottle. Can become a hip flask. I think. <laughs> that, that's my kind of hip flask. Yeah. The wedding as well. That's the I don't need to buy anything at the bar tonight at the wedding. Two hundred pounds. That'll keep me. I just buy the lemonades all night. So <laughs> and you know, like to set it out in a oh, presentation nice. box. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Are they limited edition or something? Very limited. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, very good. I've seen them online, but I don't know anyone that's there. Uh, well, I was looking on Untapped last night to see who would, uh, and I think there's only like 20 people who'd, who'd rate this. I think it's it's one of those that people are likely to want to age. Now, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and I, but I don't necessarily know whether, if, if you age that, I don't know whether it would improve it or just change it, if you see what I mean. There's no carbonation in there, which is odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, not odd, but I mean, to, to age it. Yeah, what, what what is it that's going to settle in that? What, what's, yeah. what's going to... It's already I mean, been aged. It's it's like exactly. they've, they've done the aging exactly. for you, haven't you? So it's, what's it's, new it's a very smooth... Is it a beer? It has to be a beer. It's a very smooth flavour, though, isn't it? it yeah, and I don't see that. There's no sharp. That's the viscosity, be... though. I think. I think that's what gives it the that smoothness. Mm-hmm. It's just that you've, you've concentrated it up to the point where it's kind of like cough medicine kind of consistency in it in terms of like. But I often find with um, syrup, yeah, stronger beers, there's there's certain spikes to to the flavors which mellow out, like with. Barrel aged stouts. I find that the, um, the 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 sharp alcohol burn is, is absorbed over time and becomes much more mellow, and the, the, the stout grows with it. But when you freeze it, mm-hmm. you're going to kill all the yeast off. Right? Even if you do a barrel age, you're still going to have some yeast kicking around. Some of it will still be doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you freeze it, you're going to kill it. Yeah. Right. So you're going to driven all that out. That's going to drive all your carbonation out as well. So the, the beer's not going to move. I don't see how it can. I don't know what could move it. Yes. Putting it back in the barrel, it's going to pick up some more. Yeah. So all that's, that, all that's going to happen is you're going to get your, your ice on the top and everything else will settle to the bottom. And then you, what you're left with is just going to sit yeah, in the middle. And it's not, and the yeah. temperature's going to definitely lie to the yeast. Unless... I don't know but how hard either, because we, it depends what temperature we put it down to. We, we, did an 18, we did an 18% beer, and, and then we we reintroduced yeast and sugar and and secondary fermented it right. in the bottle. Mm-hmm. And we were like, that's never going to work. 18%. <laughs> <It's never laughs> gonna, but it did. I mean, to be fair, the, the carbonation wasn't 
too, just similar to the um, the colour codes. Um, yeah, like we had styles like a really low carbonation, but, but still worked, with, worked with that beer mm-hmm. style. But there was carbonation there. Um, but the, I think with a drink like this, you don't, you don't need that carbonation. No, no. It's blind. It, it is. Just try the two things side by side. Uh huh. They're very different. Yeah, massively different. If you give me both of them and said, try them, like blind blind taste and try them, I wouldn't have said they were the same base beer. They look similar. They do. But uh, they look similar. There is similarities between two, but not like I would never have said that. Maybe it is the carbonation that's throwing it. Well, that carbonic acid you're going to get from yeah. carbonation is going to change the pH, it's going to taste more sour. Yeah, mm-hmm. it definitely does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, the effect of the, the CO2 reacting with the taste. Mm-hmm. So, which one do you prefer? Beyond Modus or Ice Modus? Ice for me. Yeah. I'm going to say the, the, the original the beer. Yeah. The, I mean, it's lovely, but I like that. That funk that you get, don't get on that. No, you don't get the funk on the yeast. Yeah, on the nose of the ice one. And that is because the the freezing process would take the the yeast out of that. Would it? I'm, I'm speculating. Yeah, yeah. To, that's possibly what's going on. Because mm-hmm. um, is that bottle conditioned from Modus, the original? Um, I would imagine so. So look. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we just pour the See, like down. I said before, that's the good bit. <laughs> <laughs> so you've still got that yeast there, which is still implying the flavour. Yeah. It's not there. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. For me, for me, that um, the, the normal mode. Yeah. It's lush. It still has that sour edge, which I like in the beer. I, I actually think there's a little bit more about the uh, the original. Mm-hmm. Um, again, whether it is just the carbonation pushing it around your mouth a little bit more, or um, I don't know. I do love, I love the ice, but I, I think that's a very, different. very interesting thing we've done with. Mm. I don't necessarily see see the point of it, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Whereas the modus operandi, imagine that in the market compared to other beers. That's like. This is this is mm. really unique. It, it's something different, and it's a really enjoyable beer. It is great. I remember um, when I used to work at another bar in town, and we had a guy come round to do a uh, kind of like a beer school, a beer tasting thing. And one of the beers that he, that he picked out for us originally, this must have been like four years ago, four and a half years ago, was like, "You've got to try this mode. You've got to try this mode." And we were just like, "What?" What is that? Well, like, it's so weird. They, they um they do uh blend, so they have a summer blend and winter blend. And the first summer blend was just a normal blend, but the winter blend um became beyond modus. And every every year it's a different beyond modus. Um, I think we've been doing that for four years now as well, and that's a fantastic. Thing. Is that the red red wine? Yes, right. Because my brother had sent me. A, a picture of a bottle of that that he mm-hmm. picked up from Coppers and uh, this this was ages ago. Yeah. And he was like, It's just it's too much for me. Yeah. It's it's like drinking a really, really strange red wine. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, yeah. And he was like, for him that was a big 
right, I can't, I can't drink that, I can't drink that, it's a bit weird. But, um, yeah, but I've never tried that one. Yeah, the Beyond Modus is, is it, it's one that people have sought out. The, the, summer, the summer blend hasn't got anywhere near the same draw, mm-hmm. but um, winter's fantastic. So this is the summer one. No, no, this is this is the this is a Corvia. Um I find it incredible that a brewery would have so much barrel aging in a Corvia. You know, from the from the start. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's a it's a, it's a really cool, different way to do things. It's mm-hmm. much more like whiskey than whiskey do. Yeah, yeah. Takes some uh it takes some balls to do that from, yeah, from day one as well. Definitely. Really does, but it's worth it, really. And I can see more of this. I, th- I think um, in in the sour the sour genre, there's an awful lot of kettle sours about, but there's become more and more of an appetite for the the blend in the aging of sour beers. Space, exactly. <laughs> you need yeah. space. It is capital. It is. When there's a market there, you're more likely to take the hit. Take the step. So, yes, yeah, so I think that was well worth trying. Definitely. Thank, Thank you. Very much. Thank Cheers. you very much for getting that. I appreciate it. So, what's next? <laughs> Do you want to tell the listeners what you've been up to, Rob? About my brewing? Yeah. Well, I hear you're a, you're a, you're a finely honed <laughs> brewer now. Very much so. I've uh, taken Chris under my wing. Tournament thing or two. Um, now I went to Chris's over over Christmas time and uh, we uh, we did a brew, didn't we? Um, yeah. It was a chocolate stout. Um, Sounds good. Which uh, we did through the Grainfather. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so used. we used my my homebrew setup, which is a Grainfather, um, all grain brew, and it's a proper chocolate stout where there's actually chocolate in there. It's not just a chocolate malt stout. So we put. Um, Got some grating sort of yeah. cacao, like some really nice cacao sort of like block of cacao sort of nice Venezuelan whatever it was and then put some of that in um, and we went for like export kind of strength didn't mm-hmm. we? so we went for like seven eight percent we got about twenty five liters off yeah the we got quite a bit so so there was there was the two of us and my friend Eddie came out as well so everyone was really I met Eddie as well for ages, and I'm trying to work out when I could uh, uh, get a brew in over Christmas. And what we decided to do was just all three of us brew together, so we just had a nice afternoon. That's good. It's really good. Uh, drank a few beers. And, yeah. Uh, got, got the kit out. And, yeah. And then I sent Rob away to look after uh, a demijohn full of the beer. So we fermented most of it out at my gaff. Yeah. Where I've got a temperature control fermentation chamber. Yeah. And Rob was sent off with his little demijohn and his yeast already pitched. Couldn't. Couldn't use demijohn. To, to look after uh, five litres of his own. <laughs> <laughs> so he could take his readings and he could. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good because, you know, I never, when I did that one brew before that was shite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was, uh, that was a I sour. It was a sound. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have a 
the hydrometer or any any of the the, the sophisticated kit Ross. Yeah, yeah. That you, the, the posh bits. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know, um, sort of just seeing the changes to me was 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 good, and actually tasting the thing, I could tell when I looked at my other I mean, that, that beer, it looked disgusting and it tasted disgusting. Whereas this was really nice, you know, sort of tasting it when I was. Well, we're tasting. We talk about tasting through the process. Yeah, right. Tasting race, the, yeah, sorry. The, the first run-ins versus yeah. you know, I, I, yeah. all the things that you don't really get to do when you're just a, a, an end consumer. Yeah. yeah, I actually, I love dark beer, malt, um, before they ferment it out. Yeah, I could drink it like a hot chocolate. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like um, the Germans do, don't they? Really? Yeah, yeah they, they drink wort. Yeah, wort. Wort and unfermented wort, but spe- specifically dark beer worts that I like. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can they imagine just that. taste so good. Yeah. So yeah, we we were we were drinking wort and talking about what you could taste then, and then seeing how it changes. And, um, it was nice. I mean, even you know the first the first one, which was after a few days, it kind of it, it blew out after a day. So it was, there was a ridiculous amount of um, foam. I think said you. Uh, I send you a video. I've got a video of it. Yes, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's a going mad. <laughs> Were you worried? Were you getting? Uh, well, I worried that I'm going to wreck it. You know, I don't yeah. want to don't wreck it. You know, um, but um, I, I kept in touch. But um, but no, when when I tried it, I gave Kelly some, and she liked it, which yeah. was strange. She's not a stout drinker, but she she liked it. It was nice. You know, it's because I think partly because it was at the early stages and it was sweet, still sweet. Yeah, yeah, um, and even on the Last one that I tried, it still had a definite sweetness yeah. to it, which I, I mean, I like. But well, we, we we mashed very high, mm-hmm. so right at the top end of mash temperatures, so sixty-nine. Oh, a nice bit of residual sugar. Yeah, so it won't go as low as um, some beers that you've tried. Right. Yeah. What the final yeah. Uh, yeah sugar content would be because there's a lot of unfermented sugar in it. Um, but that just adds body and texture. It's good. It's good in that kind of. Yeah, it saves you having lactose. Basically, yeah. Well, Ross, I don't know about you, but uh, I feel like this beer sounds fantastic. Yeah. yeah. If if only if only there was some on the premises to try. <laughs> yeah, that's such a shame. Well, it's <laughs> funny you should say that. Here's one I made earlier. <laughs> so Rob's brought me on tonight to hand back because what I've done with the the rest is it's gone into a keg. Uh, and I've put some Jack Daniels oak chips in to the keg. So to spare Rob's blushes, I'm going to blend his in with the rest of the batch. So if it does wreck it, it wrecks it all. And <laughs> <laughs> so he probably your response. Not my, yeah. not my few liters. That's it, yeah. <laughs> what if Rob's Chris, I can't believe you break my yeah, leg. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I cut my own back, I split it into two kegs, actually. But... <laughs> <laughs> So are we able to try it then? Have you got um, something like a turkey baster so we can actually get yes. some out of the neck of the demijohn? I have just the thing. Bear, bear with me. So we have in front of us uh, a trial of this beer. So clarity-wise... Well, you're not going to get clarity. It's, <laughs> it's, it's still on the yeast. It's not It's not been crash cool or anything. You'd never know anyway, to be fair. No. Black, yeah, it? Black, it? it is. Smells good. Yeah, it does. Super roasty, roasty chocolate. I can't remember what uh, malt it had. It had some carafe. Yeah, three. Uh, and we put 
roasted wheat, not roasted mm-hmm. barley. Nice. So the Karapa 3 is giving it the, mostly the colour, I guess. Yeah. That's why I hope it's a jet black. But I like that because it doesn't give you that kind of roasting. You don't get that acrid, yeah. mm-hmm. bitter kind of roasting. Quite a lot of coffee like to it, I think. Mm-hmm. There is. From what I think. But there's um, no coffee in it. Right. But again, it hasn't got that, that sharp edge to it. Yeah. That acridness that you're talking about. There is chocolate there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I can't remember how much chocolate they put in, but it's like two or three hundred grams yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. It's lovely. It's lost some of it. I mean, it's still, it's still got sweetness to it, but it's it's lost a lot of it, actually, because that first one I had was very sweet. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the sweetest to it, but getting stronger. It doesn't seem overly sweet. No, Not at all. It, it, the sweetness is what is fermented out. Mm-hmm. You know, so. mm-hmm. That's, oh, that's very well. nice. Very nice. Yeah, and this will be available in, bar, in, bar, in bars across town from... <laughs> <laughs> I know a guy with a bar. <laughs> <laughs> I hear he's got two. <laughs> <laughs> so, first brewing experience... First proper brewing experience. Yeah, it was, we'll, it was, we'll That's the... not a proper brewing yeah, experience. No. That's that's. I'm sure we can do better than that at some point along the game. It was yeah. it was good. It's it's good to to do it with somebody who knows what they're doing. So you the the mistakes I would have made, you know, I mean, I didn't let him. Well, yeah, didn't let him touch anything. Just wait that out and stand <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> stir, stir, stir. No, but it's it it is it is good to see the process yeah. because. As you, if you if you just landed in and started brewing, there's so many areas where you'd have questions. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what instructions you have to, to it's brew. This, it. It's strange, I suppose, with anything. You know, when you start getting into the detail of what it is you're doing, there'll be tiny little things that you just go, "Oh, what's this? What's that?" And you wouldn't, if you're on your own, you've got no one to ask those questions. So you just mm-hmm. do some daft. It's. And... <laughs> I've always thought brewing's very simple. Mm-hmm. Brewing well's very difficult. Mm-hmm. You know the, the the process is so yeah, it's so straightforward, but the the nuances in it are infinitesimal. But we did we did stuff that you wouldn't do if you were starting out. So we did liquor treatments. So we were we were we were pH balancing the water and things like that. That you wouldn't probably if you're starting out, you ain't gonna mess around like that. You know, no. just have fun, like Cassidy yeah. and <laughs> things like that. But. Uh, Roger will have you doing it in no time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's sounding me. He's like, so should I, should I bring my... Uh, no, yeah, do what you want, mate. <laughs> Go on, then, bring it in. So how, how significant would that be to that beer? I don't think with a dark beer, you, you, you're not going to notice it as much as something, something right. hoppy and whatever. But so is, I think is, it's just now, for me, it's just a practice that I'm starting to do with everything. I think one of my big plans for our brewery this year is to... Uh, to get some sort of water filtration system in. You you are Dr. Hoppy, you're bound to be in the detail. I was talking to Martha Almasty, mm-hmm. um, and I think some of, some of the stuff we were talking about there was what, what results they've had by including sort of filtration of the water that goes into the, into the maestro, and I think, I think we'd all say that they're producing the best beer in the northeast. One of the main things with Almasty is the, is the consistency, and that's probably down to a lot of it will be down to that. If you start with a consistent product, as i.e. the water, yeah, you know you've got a better chance of getting a, a consistent output, aren't you? I'd ask myself this question, right? If you were getting good results from one malt supplier, you wouldn't change your malt. You'd yeah. be using the same guy every time, right? 
you don't know what's coming in with your water. Exactly. You're not controlling it. Yes, you are. Yeah. Unless so you if you're really... going to start fixing variables, you fix everything you can fix easily, and then you put in place things to fix the things that you can't control. Yeah. Yeah. Which is where we're trying to take things now. Staff as well, uh, something that well, that I'm a, I'm a prime culprit for it because like it's something that I've just kind of skipped over all the time. Yeah, the water. Yeah, but we get good water up here. And so I keep telling myself that we've got good water up here, we've got water, which we have, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, and then I'm thinking, this is making up what ninety six percent of this beer that I'm making <laughs> exactly. is, is that. Mm. Uh, I should probably, you know, it's um, a massive part so, of, yeah, of the outcome. We are we're massively looking into it now, and obviously we're just about to move to it. A bigger site and the new brew kit and whatnot, and that's something that we're factoring in from, 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 to do from day it. one. And there, yeah, because it's, I mean, well, you, you brewed on my kit, it's done its job mm-hmm. the past few years, but um, we could do with something a little better. Um, and it can be a bit of a nightmare, everyone at times, but it works, yeah. Um, well, you've certainly turned out some decent beers on it so far, very, but it's good, it's it's cool because we've kind of learned the hard way, mm-hmm. yeah. On that kit, so anything after this should just be fully fully automated from now on. Is that the... Oh man, yeah, mashing in from an iPad in bed. Oh, I'm, I'm it's like Rocky, Rocky Four. Is that what it was? When, oh. uh, right. I've got to say, Dolph Lundgren was uh, having all that fancy kit. And, uh... At uh, <laughs> at Thornbridge, the uh, the brewer sit with a in front of a computer with this great. Great big screen shows them exactly where everything is mm-hmm. in the entire brewery and they just click buttons, and, mm-hmm. you know. Never like that, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I take it all back. <laughs> um, my first experience of brewing was that when I was working at Scotland Newcastle right. before the closed down as a 19-year-old first-year chemical engineering student Yeah, university. I was working that summer um, to do the cask. You did a placement with them, did you? No, I I signed up to a a recruitment agency. Right. And they had me working at Tyndong Dock unloading sort of containers one week and it'd be somewhere else the next week. And then when SNN got people, when they did the cask run on a Tuesday, uh, they'd get two agency workers in to to take the shards and the keystones out of the cask before they went through the steam cleaner. And from there, once you're in, you might end up getting put on a few different bits of equipment down the process so I my first experience of seeing the process was all that like a control room and you just press buttons yeah yeah someone might say I'll go put a bag of salt in this vessel over there you didn't know what it was doing or, or you're on this thing here would be this conveyor belt and there was a it was a computer system that would look for foam coming out of the the keg uh, coupler if they did not put the spear back in properly after it being cleaned so you'd like take that one off the, the computer would just knock it off the conveyor belt into yeah. this second bit and then you mm-hmm. put it back in decant it back in and it gets filled into a new so you just do loads of little bits through the process but it was a very highly automated kit that the first one I ever worked on but that's what made me fall in love with the process yeah. and I was I, I was gutted as a, a graduate chemical engineer a few years later that the brewery shut down yeah. and moved because it was one of the places that I thought maybe it'd be something I'd be looking to get a job yeah just as, a, as an outsider from the industry, um, I was good when the place shut down because that iconic smell that drifted mm. across the city, I used to love that. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they were very much in the heart of the city, you know, like 
within half a mile of the city centre, weren't they? And that was that was what dominated the, the landscape for a long time. Didn't it? You walk down Queen Vic Road on a Saturday morning, you'll get that smell again sometimes now. <laughs> You stand a specific the spot. In the <laughs> One thing I've not noticed yet, I've never smelt Wylo when they've been brewing. No. Uh, yeah. The thing is now that the extraction is all going to be different. Right? Yeah. It's also yeah. going to be like, straight up. And they're not going to be anywhere near the volumes that yeah, they were. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember I used to stop at my grandma's house, which is on Wingrove Road in Fenham. Mm-hmm. It used to be. And uh, going out in her garden in the summer, and gee, you just got that smell from, from her house to the brewery there, which is probably still, you know, even a mile away, but kind of distance, like, yeah, uh-huh. and still to get that in Fenham, I was like, oh, gosh, that was really nice. Well, it, it, it was my early memories of going to Max. Uh, you know, that, yeah, that yeah, smell yeah. was, that, that's me going to Max, you know. Well, the town I'm from, where the, uh, the Haribo factory is. Right. And you get the licorice smell through the city when they're, uh-huh. when they're yeah. making that there. So I, I, I don't recall too much of it from Newcastle because I only moved here in 2000. Right. Um, so it wasn't here for much longer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and until it moved to the Dudson site. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know I know what it's like from our, our little town. That <laughs> when you get that smell that you associate with. It's funny as well because I don't, I don't smell that at all in my brewery anymore but if I go to someone else's brewery who's using a different malt yeah. I walk in I'm like oh it smells like brewery yeah, great it smells yeah. really nice I remember going to um, walking past uh, Kellam Island in Sheffield yeah. me and my dad both went oh can you smell that there's a brewery around <laughs> yeah. here somewhere. And, but you, we don't smell that don't you know we're mashing in people are going oh it smells great in here like, yeah, does it you, you just get so used yeah. to the smell of your your own beers that if you just you kind of stop. It's, it's, it. it's like smelling your your own house, isn't it? Your house will probably have yeah. a scent. You yeah. go to some people's houses, and, oh, there's a slight smell. I mean, nothing, yeah. nothing wrong with it. Just a slightly different smell to my own house. And, yeah. But mine, I can't smell. But I'm sure there's a scent there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah. So that was a that was a good show. Um, some fantastic beers there. For me, the ice modus was particularly impressive. Um. Modus Operandi, fantastic beer. Really, that really, was my standout. Really special to finish mm-hmm. on that. So, uh. Coming up, we have a lot of, well, I have a lot of interesting plans. Um, the lads don't know about this yet, but we're going to have a planning session this week. And uh, watch this space. We've got a lot of things coming. So cheers.